Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. It is June still. We're entering the back half of June. There's once again a lot of news to get to today. We have a jam-packed episode. Honestly, one of our most packed in a while. We did a, had a busy one last week too, so we're going to have to go kind of rapid fire. Uh, luckily, I'm joined uh, by my good friends Nerd Bomber and Tactic. Hello, hello. Over there. Hey, how's it going? In the other space that I refer to as cyberspace. Guys, we, we're not sitting next to each other when we record this, or at least those two are, but I'm, you know, thousands of miles away, if, in case you didn't know that. I'm illegal 86. And I, I would walk 5,000 miles. I wouldn't. Isn't it 1,000? Is isn't it 1,000? Is it? I don't or know. No, it's 500. It's, it, it's 500. It's, yeah. It, really it's 500. <laughs> wow. Then 500 more, and then you're the man who walked 1,000 miles to wind up at, at your door. So I basically, I just like combined everything. It's fine. Yeah. You well, you you went harder. You went five thousand, five thousand, which in, in the end it's ten thousand, which is like I don't know. That's like this. Is that how how big is the world around? Could you walk around the whole planet? How is ten thousand miles that much? Or am I do I not understand miles? I feel like it's what's the it's a lot. circumference of the world? Yeah. Uh, to start things off, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that circumference of Earth twenty four thousand nine hundred and two. So you'd you'd, be, you'd almost walk halfway around the world i guess so we're, we're not going to do that today uh, instead we're just going to be sitting here walking zero miles and and talking about various things uh guys it's been a huge week the gaming news is still just piling up you know of course there was the ea play live on on thursday running through star wars squadrons gameplay among a few other things we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about this huge news for 90s kids even me who didn't really play pokemon pokemon snap is getting i guess remastered for switch or remade we'll go through that rocksteady is reportedly working on a suicide squad game rocksteady being the folks who worked on arkham if you're a fan of that franchise and then we're going to move into some of the more pop culture news uh this michael keaton news i'm sure you've heard about broke i think today or yesterday that's fairly recent this trailer for foundation the Isaac Asimov, or Asimov, I don't really know what the best way to pronounce his name is. This is an old Isaac Asimov work that's being uh, made for Apple TV+. Plus. Or, is it Apple TV+, Plus? I think it is. Yeah, it is. I don't have it. So. And then we have some tech news. Mixer is shutting down, which is probably the second time you've heard of Mixer. The first time being the first time we talked about it. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about that. And then uh, Facebook is making some moves in the gaming community as well. So we'll get to that, assuming we have time. So let's... Let's ramp things up real quick here, and let's jump right into Pokemon Snap. Now, Pokemon Snap is an interesting thing. For those that don't know, have never played it, this was a game on the Nintendo 64 way back in the 90s. I don't know exactly when it came out. I don't have that information in front of me. Oh, 1999. I do have that information in front of me. 1999, turn of the century. It was well-received by critics and fans. Everyone loved it. Even I loved it. Not a Pokemon fan. I loved it. Well, it's getting remade. It's literally right now, I guess the working title is New Pokemon Snap which pretty simple, I guess. Being remade, of course, for the Switch. Reportedly will take you to a variety of locales, jungles, beaches, where you can research various Pokemon in their national hab- natural habitats, build a photo decks. You know, it sounds very similar to what you had going on in the original Pokemon Snap. So first of all, did you guys play Pokemon Snap back in the day? I did, and I loved it. It was, it was great. It was, fair. it was simple, and it, and it just it gave you what you wanted to see. Pokemon. I did not play it. I always wanted to play it, but I didn't. It was a was it N64 or was it GameCube? 
I can't remember. It was N64. I think it was right before the turn. I didn't have either of those consoles, so I knew that I wouldn't be able to play it, and my parents would not buy me that console because I had PlayStation 2 and multiple Game Boys, so they thought that that was enough at the time, and so I never played it, but I really wanted to. So I was super pumped when I saw that they were going to make a new version of it because now I get to like go back and... If I ever get to time travel, I get to go back and look at little Nerd Bomber and be like, don't worry, you'll get to play it eventually it. in better graphics. Don't you worry. So eh. the, the thing <laughs> the, the, the thing about it is, I, and the thing I remember most vividly is you're in this little like, you're in this little car, Professor Oak talks to you and gives you a camera and says, go take pictures of Pokemon. The story's not important, but you get out there and of course you see Pokemon, but you get more points for photos that that you take first of all that are like good angles and you can like see the pokemon's faces but also like if you catch pokemon like if you catch charmander like shooting a fireball it's a lot of points and like if you catch a rare pokemon that's doing something crazy like if you catch a zapdos doing like zapdos stuff i'm digging deep into my pokemon knowledge here by the way uh you get a lot of points and one way you could provoke them tactic do you remember this if you could throw apples at them yeah remember this it was amazing throw an apple at him and it would like you threw an apple at snorlax it would wake him up and he'd do snorlax stuff and you'd be able to take a picture of him where otherwise he'd just be some lump sitting there you wouldn't even know he's snorlax it was amazing so i want to touch on something nerd bomber just said um and i quote with better graphics when i watched this whole trailer all i thought was wow these graphics are incredibly underwhelming and with all of these different fan mods that you see people making with great graphics I simply expected some quality Pokemon graphics and it just, you have all these different drivers that they could have used and, and, and engines that they could have used to give us what we wanted from a graphic standpoint and it just fell short. And that thing is, is definitely a negative for me on this. I just want to point out, though, that, okay, it looked a little chonky, but it's still going to be infinitely better than anything that we saw in the 90s and... It's Pokemon. Like, Nintendo graphics are pretty much... Any Nintendo first-party title, for the most part, is more like cutesy graphics. You're not going to see fur or anything. You're not going to see that granular level of detail. You just have to be happy for what you get. But here's the thing. In the 90s, that was state-of-the-art 3D. Now the bar is set much higher, and they just went, eh, we see you, bar. Not going to hit it. Would you try to hit the bar, though, if you knew that even if you didn't, it was still guaranteed money? I'm not I'm not asking for, you know, high resolution fur detail. I'm asking at least beyond par with the Pokemon games. And I think this even fell short of that. Listen, all I want to do is I, I, I hear you about the graphics. I'm in the Nerd Bomber camp on this one. I'm much more interested in like being able to throw. Remember the sleep bombs? tactic remember those things the little things mm-hmm. you throw them and that pink dust would come out and it would i think it'll put the pokemon to sleep right wasn't that like the thing yeah that's that's generally what a sleep bomb does right um i was i couldn't remember if it was a sleep bomb or like a poison bomb or i guess it would be really more morbid if you were poisoning pokemon but well, you do poison pokemon at least in you the- but you could well okay you got me there but but you could uh, like you, it would, the cart was on these tracks and you could run it you could you could like unlock secret passageways and you'd like go in and oh there's an electrode in there oh my he's gonna explode and if you got the picture of him exploding exactly the right time it was like a thousand points it was just whoever came up with that idea by the way to like someone was like we need a new way to do pokemon and someone was like you're taking pictures of him i don't know how you came up with that idea but it is a winner and you nailed it so this one i actually don't know if i have in front of me when this one is supposed to supposed to hit 
uh, yeah, there's no release date so far for this. My guess is that it was a spinoff of the Safari Zone that happens in the game. Because what is a Safari Zone? Where you drive oh, right. through and take pictures of animals. Could definitely be. For all we know, this, this could have been like one of those situations. You know how you like see, see studios being bought out who did a certain thing and then it gets reskinned. I mean, we talked about this kind of with Assassin's Creed, right? Where it's like a reskinned Viking game. That it, it, it could have been this exact situation. But uh, we'll see when, the, when this one comes out being developed by Bandai Namco. No release date yet. So that's just one piece of the puzzle here. And, and, and we'll keep rolling on. Uh, let's talk about Rocksteady. Uh, just because that's the, that's the next tab on my Google Chrome. Uh, not a sponsor. So you may know by now if you've listened to this podcast for long enough. I think I was still talking about Arkham uh, on this podcast. This was not pre-Online Warriors. But uh, Nerdbomber and I, and, I well, and Tactic, all three of us are all big Arkham fans, uh, developed by Rocksteady, who now is reportedly working on a Suicide Squad game. Now, Suicide Squad, didn't see the movie, don't have a whole lot of familiarity with Suicide Squad. Uh, nonetheless, this is a winning proposition. So I'm super excited to see a video game from the perspective of the villain, because that's one of the things that I've always liked about the Suicide Squad in general. Right. Well, they're basically villains who get turned into heroes by oh man who what's her face help me out here i know government lady thinking of yeah government lady i'm blanking on the name but they basically turn them into (laughs) good guys and like make them team up and i think that could be really fun to play because we don't get a lot of video games where you're the bad guy and it'll be really fun to flex a lot of these quote-unquote bad guys powers especially if they let you play as different members of the team like i'm trying to envision how this would work maybe you can swap between different members based on the mission or maybe it's more story-based and linear where then they'll just choose which villain you get to play as as the story progresses but i'm super excited for this because i would love to play as deadshot i would love to play as harley quinn i feel like She's kind of an untapped character in terms of video games. I feel like she's a little bit more wily than the Joker and would be super fun to play as. And basically, there's just a wealth of fun content that I can envision for this game, especially if you're taking on the Justice League, which I think one of the domains that were registered and that kind of leaked this was um, the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. And obviously, you probably will not succeed in the game because let's be real. They're never going to kill off any Justice League member. Like, that's just not going <laughs> to yeah. happen. But going up against members of the Justice League, like, maybe it's a different alternate Earth scenario where the Justice League members are bad and you have to work with this Earth's Justice League to take down the bad Justice League members. Like, I think it could be really fun. And I'm really excited and super pumped. I don't know. But what do you guys think? I, yeah. So I, I wanted to bring up the the domain name thing you were saying. So there's a, there were a few domain name domain names wow domain names registered the most interesting one being suicide squad killed the justice league perhaps relatedly gotham knights game.com was also registered around the same time so people also are thinking there may be another batman game in the works from warner brothers montreal well i believe who who this domain name is associated with that was confirmed to be the game centered around the court of owls whole story which we talked about we talked about that a while back Mm -hmm. didn't we So, I mean, that could mean that in the next six months to a year, we could be getting two Batman slash Gotham University type games, which I'm super excited about. When you think about it, you know, and and granted, Arkham Knight finished a complete arc for these games, but they were such money makers. I I mean, I usually don't have my ear too low to the ground on these sorts of things, but like, 
I know that when Arkham Knight came out, it was extremely popular. And I know that Arkham City won a bunch of Game of the Year awards. And to think that Rocksteady wouldn't want to get back to that formula in some way and back to that IP, which they pres- presumably have access to, you know, it was only a matter of time. I, I do think that the f- proverbial flipping the script in terms of, you know, you're going to play as bad guys. I'm trying to think of other examples uh, where this has been done. And so the reason why I, I bought the third Arkham Knight, I believe it was the third, was, and the reason why I also said the anti-hero is because in that game, there was DLC where you could play as the Red Hood, who was an anti-hero. Right. And although it was a really, really short section of the game, it was a whole different yet similar dynamic to what the way you fought as Batman. And it just, it gave this different perspective that I really, really loved. And that, in my opinion, was a a brief synopsis of kind of what this game might actually be like, and I'm all for it. Well, so it's actually, and I'm, you know, spoiler for my what are you up to Wednesday. Last of Us Part 2 has come out, and I have it, and it's absolutely incredible. And without getting spoilery, there has been at least one part so far where you play as the bad guy. And it's an interesting, it's interesting, you know, like it's, it's, I guess in this case, you don't expect it. And you would when you, if you went up and bought Suicide Squad, but with Suicide Squad, you know, Batman has one of the most interesting rogues galleries of any superhero, right? I mean, I I can't think of anyone who has a more interesting rogues gallery besides maybe Spider-Man. So to have the opportunity to play as those characters, like I, I honestly wish, imagine a game where you play as the Joker, right? I mean, I don't know what that would even look like because the inside of the Joker's head is messed up. Yeah, you'd have to have a couple chapters of just slipping deep into madness first. (laughs) Slip deep into madness and then get these frankly brilliant ideas for how to just sadistically terrorize Batman. You know, that's what the game would look like. But um, considering too what the arc of, of the Arkham series was, I'm actually now like retroactively kind of wondering why that never happened. You know, why you never played as the Joker. Because it seems like something that would, their narratives were so closely tied together, it would almost makes sense. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. All right. So this game, uh, which right now, I guess, is just called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Again, no release date, no trailer here. This is very early, early works. Uh, just things we're hearing about, you know, things we're speculating about. This article, which is from Games Radar, says we should get an announcement, quote unquote, soon enough. <laughs> But, you know, who, who really knows? So uh, there's apparently a big DC show coming in August, which may be the reveal point for this. Um, could be another holiday season thing. Could be a PS5 thing. You know, again, we're with this release of Spider-Man being touted, taking advantage of, of the solid state drive. I could think of a Batman or Suicide Squad centric game sim- similarly taking advantage of that kind of stuff. So lots of hype ahead for that. Now... Where are we in our crazy lineup of stuff? Ah, of course, EA Play Live. So we talked about uh, Star Wars Squadrons last week, did we not? Or did we not have, was it not out yet at that point? I actually can't remember. <laughs> I want to say it was. We, we did talk about Squadrons. They had showed like a teaser trailer, but we hadn't yet seen any gameplay. So with EA Play, we saw gameplay for the very first time. Right. So this this was i think like a five minute clip you know it, it was a gameplay trailer so it still had a trailer feel to it there was a voiceover describing what you're going to be able to do what things are going to look like and yes it did show quite a bit of gameplay most notably and spoiler alert i'm going to rail against this lots of first person cockpit gameplay and and i know that probably pleased a lot of people 
especially people who are excited to play it in VR, which admittedly is a draw. I guess before I level a dissenting opinion, uh, what, are, what were your guys' thoughts on it? I mean, I thought the gameplay looked really cool. I thought that they did a really good job getting all of the details right in terms of the cockpit and from a lot of the, I think they had the developer interview at the beginning and some of the voiceover, it really seemed like they put a lot of passion and work into the game, making sure that they got it right in terms of how it felt to fly and how it would feel to actually be in these ships. Um, They also mentioned again and stressed again that the entire game was built and ready to implement VR um, no matter what system you played on, if it was VR compatible. So I thought that was pretty cool because honestly, like I feel like that first person view in VR would make you feel like you're right there in the action. For me, I don't know how it would work because they did show a lot of like tight corners and fancy maneuvers. And honestly, that seems like it would make me sick in VR. But if you can stomach it, it would probably be very cool. And they did say that I believe there would be AI in the squads too. So if you didn't have a full like five person squad to get in the game with, then you wouldn't be totally SOL. So, you know, for me, that's also another perk because intelligent AI, if it actually maneuvers and interacts well with the game and plays the way that a human would I think that's super important because a lot of these at least online experiences I always have trouble filling out like a full group of people to play with all at one time right so for me the gameplay looked absolutely awesome I loved the fact that you can do a loop-de-loop to get behind your enemy and take him out that is literally what that I was the best for. part um, yeah that part was awesome. the one thing and this is going to sound weird and maybe I've just become spoiled with all these different again, graphics, um, is the lighting at some times looked really, really good and really, really breathtaking. But depending on the scene, other times it, it made the graphics look worse. And I couldn't really put my finger as to why, but that was the only thing that I just really couldn't deal with. And I don't know why it stuck with me so much. So for, for first, I want to speak to some of the things Nerbomber said, because so, so I know I mentioned it to you guys, I think when Squadrons first came out, because so- someone else mentioned to me that there is a VR experience, uh, an X-Wing VR experience that you can get as part of Battlefront. Um, it's, it's free on PlayStation Plus right now. You can download it and play it. And it's exactly like this in, in a lot of ways. You're in a cockpit and you are, you know, in space having a dogfight with a bunch of TIE fighters, basically. And... Nerd Bomber, you specifically mentioned something that resonated with me having played that a couple of times, which is your field of vision is a very important thing. And and like, it's funny when you watch old Star Wars movies, like when you're when you're watching the trench run, for example, you can see these guys <laughs> kind of looking over their shoulders and you don't even know where they're looking because there's not much to look at back there. There's like, but you find when you're playing the VR, you're doing that constantly, at least if you're me you're trying to see where things are and you're constantly looking around, which is like, it's kind of a cool part of VR, but it also is occasionally tedious, especially when you're wearing a heavy headset. So for me, I want third person and I want it badly. And I'm not sure if they've explicitly committed at this point. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if they've committed to not having third person, but it seems like they're throwing all their weight behind. Yeah, you're in the cockpit. And I, well, I understand that I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be my kind of party. Like, like they're, they're all, a lot of the, you know, customizable stuff they're talking about is like, oh, you can get a, a little Ewok bobblehead in your cockpit, which is cool. But it's, it's also like, again, kind of throwing, they're throwing all their weight behind the cockpit thing, which, you know, the graphics look good. Uh, generally speaking, I think the gameplay is probably going to be really tight. Um, they're also 
sidestepping questions and you can see in the interviews they're sidestepping questions about how long the campaign's going to be and that concerns me a lot there are some people who at this point think the campaign is going to be basically an extended training mission that's going to be over in like two hours and then you're kind of sol i mean you, you can play online of course but as a very campaign forward gamer um you know this is why i think last week when we talked about this i talked about i just want a rogue squadron just give me let me go to the second death star and you know you go to the shield generator with the millennium falcon that's all i ever want and instead we're getting first person only sequel trilogy content with no original trilogy prequel trilogy content and for 40 dollars, i probably will buy it but and no some things i'm not going to be happy about it okay no microtransaction is good and and you know of course ea's learned their lesson they're it's so upfront about that it hurts they're like i think at one point in the trailer they literally had or is it the trailer of the interview they said all you have to do to unlock stuff is play the game <laughs> it was like they act like they discovered this revolutionary technique for developing a good game <laughs> i thought that was funny um but yeah they're being very upfront about that which is good you know i i, I like the idea of either describing the classes of ships you can have you know i'll tell you right now i would be a, uh, an a-wing tie interceptor kind of guy i don't know do you guys have you thought about it at all either of you i don't think i have enough uh experience on the arsenal that is the different ships i can have i feel like i'd want to play around because i feel like even though i would have one necessarily in mind every time i play a game if i even have a character in mind i end up diving in and then realize i made a mistake and i end up actually falling in love with something else completely different than i thought so i'll probably Mm -hmm. end up because for 40 bucks it seems like it's a pretty good experience and whether you love or hate EA lately, they've been putting out relatively tight games, I think. And so I think for 40 bucks, we'll end up getting it. And I'll probably end up just playing around with all of them. I do hope for a ridiculous DLC, like you can drive the Millennium Falcon or a Honda Civic, things like that. Right. (laughs) But Fallen Order was EA too, right? Yes. And like that was very well received by most people, I would say. I still haven't played it yet. Um, we had our good friend Ben on to talk about it a while back and he was, he was gushing over it. You know, it seems awesome. Um, so, you know, they, they have, they've built up a bit of a stride here in spite of what happened Battlefront 2. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt simply because it's Star Wars, unfortunately. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm more, I'm worried, you know, and to go back to the ships thing, they talked about this U-Wing, which is like the help your friends ship. It's like repair your friends. It's like, I would not want to be the person in the squadron that's stuck with the U-Wing. Because <laughs> is it does, is the way it works, you're five people, you have to be five different things. Is that... Or is it six people? I can't remember if it's six or five. I don't but, know that they would limit what you can pick. You can... I mean, it's I like any that. strategy in any game. You can have all tanks or you can have each person with a different class. Well, and, and that might be the coolest part of all of this, right? Is Is this idea that you can what they're saying is you can before a mission you know the ins and outs of it and you can plan okay here's what we're going to do here's here's how we're going to do x and y and then go do it and i think that's cool i mean how many star wars movies have a scene like that where it's like okay that stars here we have to go here and do the x and y and do this so that could be really cool too you know it, it's it has a lot of potential i just there were certain things from the gameplay trailer that i wanted to see that i desperately wanted to see that i didn't uh so I guess we'll know uh, more when this comes out. October 2nd, I think, is when this comes out. October sometime. Um, I believe it's October 2nd. So be on the lookout for that one. So uh, EA didn't just, you know, spend hours at their Play Live talking about 
Star Wars Squadrons. They also were touting some other games. And one of those is a very co-op focused game called It Takes Two. And Tactic, uh, apparently being a fan of, of A Way Out, which I started and never finished, by the way, uh, wants to talk a little bit more about this one. So I'm going to swing it over to him. So not only did this game remind me of A Way Out with regards to its working together with your partner with a couch co-op, but also it reminded me of a game called Unraveled, which is a side-scroller type game. And you're also these little cutesy things. And between Nerd Bomber and I, games like this, we are 150% here, here for because one, couch co-op is never dead. And two, they're so cute. And I could just play those kind of games forever. So thank you, EA, for having those kind of games. I'm all for it. It takes two. Yeah, they did show um, Lost and Random, too, was their other, I think they call them EA Originals. But I, I do always like seeing these because they're kind of like indie titles, but they have the funding and the backing of EA. And they they always end up being like kind of fun, little interesting game experiences. And so pretty stoked about that. I think everything else, though, in EA, the entire EA Play Live was just like, this is coming to Steam. This is coming to Steam. And here's right. an hour of Apex. And that's going to have Steam access, too. So what's your, before we move on, it's worth asking, you know, we've, we've mentioned Battlefront 2 as a major debacle. What's your guys' general opinion of EA? Because EA is a game studio or developer, I guess, I'm not sure which there, that people, gamers love to hate. I will say as someone who never really got into Battlefront 2, I felt a little bad receiving it as a gift because i didn't want to give them my money after everything i heard about the microtransactions but i also don't harbor any ill will towards them as a company do you guys have a reason to like detest ea right now i don't generally dislike ea i think like any major publisher they have their follies i think my only moments where I really disliked them besides like microtransaction-y type things was when they bought bioware things kind of started to go off the rails for Bioware and they used to make some of my favorite games and ever since EA took them over things have kind of been a little disappointing and I don't know that that's kind of my only misgiving towards EA whenever a studio gets acquired by them in my head I kind of groan a little bit because I'm like oh EA is gonna meddle with it and mess up whatever they were doing well um but other than that like I don't know I'm I feel like I know them for a lot of sports games i know them for like battlefront and right. stuff like apex i mean apex has been well received i think they're starting to turn their reputation around a little bit i think they're trying to be a little bit more consumer friendly and removing some of the microtransactions and the follies but until bioware really gets its feet back on the ground i'm always going to be a little salty towards ea you actually you jog my memory <laughs> because they bought visceral i hate them you're right. I hate them. <laughs> Every time they, they acquire Visceral. a really good studio, they like run it into the ground. It makes me so bought, sad. Yeah. They bought Visceral, uh, maker of Dead Space and Dead Space 2, and then they made Dead Space 3, which was just not as good. It was still fine, but it wasn't as good. So, yeah, you're right. I, wow, that just happened so suddenly. I guess I hate him. Like, like I, when I think of EA, <laughs> I tend to think of a lot of what you said of like the kind of their golden age of like, remember back in like the early 2000s they were they are pretty much just known for sports games as far as i know EA sports. they did, a, they did great the with game. those i think they also did uh they wanted to need for speed most wanted too which is one of my favorite games so they, they had a good stretch and then they they hit some bumps in the road but it would be cool to see them you know get it back together we're rooting for you ea but don't buy bioware and don't buy visceral we'd still like you I guess is, is the moral tactic. Anything to add, add to that? No, I think you guys covered it. I think we can move on to the next topic. 
Well, so we should, and <laughs> I was about to move on before mentioning this. Some of the biggest game news of the week that I almost forgot, Crash Bandicoot 4, which I have never, confession, I've never played a Crash Bandicoot game. What? Except really? for in... So good. So un, in, in Uncharted 4, they have an, a mini game where as Nathan Drake, you play Crash Bandicoot. And that's like, the, it's ironically the closest I've ever come to playing Crash Bandicoot. Because is Crash Bandicoot also Naughty Dog? Is that why they did that? Or is it just a weird crossover thing i, I don't know um it's not naughty but, dog oh man i, I wouldn't think it's think. naughty dog i think it might be naughty dog on the fly researching here we go oh my face id um, is not picking me up but crash bandicoot 4 is it's coming that's that's the moral of the story here um i have never played it i don't even understand what like watching the trailer i'm not 100 percent sure i know what it is it's it, just it's, a smash and run type you're running game. yeah yeah you're just you're you're always running forward and you're hitting crates so confirmed it is not the Dog. gist of it. it is. Okay, that's what I thought. The graphics Lovely. look good. The character options look good. Um, you can even play as Corvo, which is awesome. Um, there's new mask and things like that. I, I'm for it. I've been waiting Corvo. for a, for a new one for quite some time. I was always a Crash Bandicoot Crash Bandicoot fan, and if I back in the day, if I had to pick between Spyro and Crash, you'd know I pick Crash. So I'm kind of excited for this just because, I mean, A, they're kind of tongue in cheek with the name of the game. It's about time because I feel like what it's been 20 years since the last mainline installment into the franchise. And it's kind of weird to me that it's releasing now because it is releasing for this gen of consoles. And the other weird thing to me, and I know that the Crash Bandicoot remaster trilogy and the go-karting game have been now cross-platform and they're not a playstation exclusive but crash bandicoot was always like that pinnacle playstation exclusive game so it's a little strange to me to just see this being a cross-platform title and to not have it be debuting on the new console because i feel like if they just held out a few more months it would have been a baller playstation 5 exclusive not again not that i love exclusive games but as we talked about last week it helps sell your console and there's like crash bandicoot and the playstation 2 kind of go hand in hand in my mind or was it the playstation one i don't even know it's an- i think it was the playstation one but it, it's i totally i agree with you i think and they probably were kicking themselves when they saw the jack and daxter or not jack and daxter ratchet and clank reveal and we're like wow it was so well received we could have done the same thing um it, it is interesting that they didn't i want to i want to backtrack a little bit Tactic, you said Corvo? Did you mean Cortex? Yes, I meant <laughs> Cortex. <laughs> I was like, is he talking about Dishonored 3? And he's not sure where we are. But yeah, I did, I've never played the games. I did a quick Google. I assumed you were talking about <laughs> talking about Cortex. Um, so yeah, you, you can play as the main antagonist apparently in, in this game. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, it's it's a it's a what what do you, what did you call it before? Run and smash. Yeah, run and um, smash. You know? Yeah, it's a it's a classic and a couple 3D spins. platformer. You could spin too. I'm actually I'm That's really pumped seeing fun. this and um the Ratchet and Clank game reveal, in addition to how well the Spiral Remaster did as well. I feel like this is a resurgence of the three D platformer and growing up, those were my favorite. I feel like mm-hmm. I wasn't really into the, the FPSs or anything like that early on, and I didn't really get into deep RPGs. So, like, the 3D platformer was where I was at when I was 10 years old, and I loved it. So, to see these games kind of making a resurgence, getting the whole brand new console, brand new gen graphical overhaul, and just making them feel and play like their next gen, man, I'm so pumped. 
We just need a banjo kazooie. And Jack and Daxter. Uh, I would love to see that see, series resurrected. Oh, it's like Cooper. They, Bring them all back. Remember they remade Banjo Kazooie on the 360? I got all excited, and then it was like totally different. But yeah, if they if they just honestly just a remaster again, like you just said with remasters, like it is cool seeing these things come back. It is. It does kind of lead you to this conclusion that like we spent decades just taking games and making them as complex as possible, and then at some point someone was like, "Wait a second, like." Like you said, like I played this game in the '90s that was like run and smash crates, and it was the greatest. So, like, let's just do that. Like, it probably it saves them w- a lot of work, and like, it's still satisfying. So, it's it's cool to see games like that come. And back. dude, it's so hard. Like, they're so simple, but they're so freaking hard. Well, right. If you play like like some of the hardest games I've ever played have been like if you go back and play like a Super Nintendo, play like Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. It's impossible. It's the it's the simplest thing ever. It's a side scroller where you can basically just like two buttons, and I, I can't do it. So like it's it is it's it has one, it's the the difficulty and complexity are not one and the same. Um, and you know it it's cool to see things get a little bit simpler and, and harken back to simpler times too. I guess so. Crash Bandicoot uh, again. Not sure if there's a re- release date for this one. I'm doing some quick googling. October second is when this one's coming so this does have a release date so be on the lookout for that right now before we get into our other topics we're going to take a short break but before we do i want to uh shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr ben checkness ben supports us on patreon uh at the highest of our three levels of support which is the night level and as a result he gets a producer shout out every episode input into our game segment which is coming later and he also gets access, of course, to our monthly secret segment and vlog, in addition to and the occasional guest spot. Uh, so if you want to be like Ben, the night level is where you find that treasure. Uh, a level below that is the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And then, of course, there is the Lowly page, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So if you want more of the details on that, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast to check out more of the details. Uh, thanks again to Ben. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back to talk to you about Michael Keaton. Hey there, everybody. Seth Heasley here from the Hugo's There podcast. Every month on the podcast, I have on a guest and we discuss their choice of the winners of the Hugo Award for Best Novel. So if you're interested in nerdy books and nerds discussing books, head over to hugospodcast.com or search for Hugo's There anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. And we're back. In other news, Michael Keaton is in talks with Warner Brothers to play Batman in the upcoming Flash movie. Now, I have some thoughts on what this could mean. They are con- conflicting a little bit with the fact that this signing would mean he'd be Batman over multiple movies. But I'd like to ask what you guys think about this first before I go into my little bit far-fetched, not really plausible theory. So let's take it over to you. Yeah, so so I, I have a lot of questions. So you're right. There's a lot of conflict to be had here, right? Because what what they seem to be saying is Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman. He's coming back as the Batman that we know from, was he Batman Forever? Batman Returns? One of the Batmans in the 90s. I can't remember which one. So he's him, presumably. But now now Batfleck is done, right? That's over. I is that want to say I was hearing reports that they would be open to having ben affleck resume his role but then those movies or any movies that he would be in would be exclusive to hbo max and kind of follow the snyder cut storyline wait okay hold on a sec now i'm getting more yeah, and more confused ex- exactly what about so, robert pattinson 
there's like it seems like there's gonna be three threads of Batman movies, and that's, that's terribly confusing. So that's why I have this, this this alternate theory that allows for multiple Batmans. So specifically, what the rumor is is that he is to play Batman. What it doesn't say is that is he is to play Bruce Wayne. So now there's been a lot of different people that's taken on the cowl of Batman. And one theory being that Michael Keaton is older is that I was thinking maybe he's going to be the Thomas Wayne version of Batman since it is a Flash movie. And one of the most acclaimed Flash movies was the Flashpoint Paradox where he goes into an alternate timeline where Bruce Wayne is actually dead. That forces Thomas Wayne to take on the mantle to get vengeance on the crime. And I think that would allow for all these alternate timelines of different Batmans where Aflac is still Bruce and Michael Keaton is Thomas Wayne, but also Batman. But my problem with that is, again, that the fact that he would be signing through multiple movies and... Honestly, I think the whole Thomas Wayne bit is more of a one-trick pony, but I think it could well, still have some interesting merits to keep all these different bat people alive. Well, why don't we take it a step further, though? I, it, it, what you're describing, I, I know nothing about the Flashpoint Paradox, but it sounds like the Flash is so fast <laughs> that he goes into an alternate universe and dis- and discovers Thomas Wayne as Batman. Why can't he instead go so fast he goes into an alternate universe in which Batman is still Bruce Wayne, but he looks like Michael Keaton and he's so old he's retired. I, I, I have a hard time with Warner Brothers saying, okay, we need to get someone to play a Thomas Wayne Batman and saying, let's get a guy who played the Bruce Wayne Batman. It's, it's needlessly confusing. And Michael Keaton's a great actor, but if I was Michael Keaton, I also wouldn't want to play two, two different Batman right yeah i feel like they're gonna angle it in a way where he'll still be bruce wayne and i feel like it won't be super confusing they're gonna use flashpoint somehow to erase or maybe sideline ben affleck's bruce wayne and i don't know maybe he'll just like disappear into the ether or something or he'll get killed or something and be replaced by michael keaton batman and then he'll just kind of step in as the new batman even though he's much older than every other superhero in the Justice League at that point. Right. I feel like that's the route they'll go, but it's still needlessly confusing because then is Robert Pattinson's Batman, is that like a standalone trilogy? Is that confirmed then? That's not going to have any tie-in? Yeah, that, that that I believe is standalone. It's it's kind of similar to the whole Dark Knight trilogy where that was just its own fun thing. I know everyone loves Batman and I get it. He's a great character and he has a great set of villains and Gotham is an amazing setting for a story. But have we ever paused to think that we're overdoing it at this point when you have three different Batman in circulation? Like maybe we need a decade off from Batman after this, like finish well, these storylines and then stop for a little bit. I want, some I don't Robin think we need a decade off in the mix. I, I, I don't think we need a decade off because if you look at Batman, Batman through the ages, I think it's rare for us to get like more than a few years off. The trouble is when you have three concurrently in circulation at the same time, that's what the problem is. The problem is, okay, wait, which Batman is knows the flash and which Batman is his own Batman. And wait, is Robert Pattinson's Batman just a younger version of Bruce of Ben Affleck's Batman Bat? Batman, 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 Batman. That's why I say there's, your head explodes. There's so much opportunity 
for people to play Batman that isn't Bruce Wayne. So many people have taken on the mantle. You have Dick Grayson has been Batman. You have right. future Batman who's been Damian Wayne. Jason Todd tried to be Batman on his own merit, but that got shut down real quick because he doesn't have the right um, ideals. But so many people has played Batman that you could just move off of Bruce Wayne. You can even go into the future. Batman Beyond is another story arc that is just dying to be touched that no one's touching, but they just keep doing the same Batman Bruce Wayne. And that's why I'm really secretly hoping (laughs) that... Michael Keaton is Thomas Wayne, and it's something new, something that we haven't seen yet. So does this also right. mean, like, can we get Jack Nicholson back as the Joker and pretend like Jared Leto never existed ever in any modern Batman universe? Well, this is this is the right question to be asking. What I, my dream now, I've become attached to this idea, is this new Flash movie, is he goes so fast that he goes back to the, bat, the old Batman, <laughs> where it's just Michael Keaton... Michael Keaton fought Jack Nicholson, right? Yeah. yeah. Do I have the timeline right? Yeah. And also, like, he he was the one who fought Poison Ivy, too, and, like, those were good Batman movies. So just, if it, it'd be cool. It'd be a nostalgia thing. It'd be a way to get older audiences interested again is, like, go back to that and have the Flash bombing around, being all smart-alecky with these, with these characters who have been gone for a while but are still the same characters i I think that could be a really cool idea would it be confusing still yeah for the flash to go back there and then come back and see ben affleck it'd be super confusing but what we've seen you know with all the time jumping of avengers and stuff it can be done however my concern at this point the more we talk about this is that dc is is about to dc again (laughs) in terms of like making a move that's splashy but just isn't right as is, is, is my concern. I think it can be Love done right, Pete. though, but they need to move away from Bruce Wayne. Their track record at doing things right when you doubt them is like 0% at this point. <laughs> like, 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 I can't think of a DC movie that I saw that wasn't the Chris Nolan movies that I was like, yeah, like even Shazam was good. Like, you didn't like Wonder Woman? Uh, Wonder Woman was good. I, I, I'm more thinking of like Justice League and Aquaman. Those were terrible and like batman versus superman terrible suicide squad could have been really good not that good like it just they've really struggled and yeah wonder Woman was was a success but it feels like an exception to the rule at this point uh shazam i didn't see in fairness but shazam also feels totally different to me i don't know if that's just because i haven't seen it but well i mean shazam approached the character the right way in the way that dc has not been approaching any of their characters they introduced Shazam and gave him a backstory and made you care about the character before just right. popping him into an ensemble movie and being like, hey, this guy has powers. And we've talked about this time and time again of like the reason Justice League didn't work, whereas Avengers did, was Avengers took the time to like, here's these characters where Justice League was like, okay, these characters are all superpowers. You get the deal. They're together. You don't know any of them. You don't care about them. But look, they're fighting, you know steppenwolf and you're like what so i'm I'm worried that they're putting the cart before the horse again when i see them saying okay flash is getting his first movie and we're casting michael keaton as batman like it's like okay well it's supposed to be a flash movie right why is batman suddenly involved again so yeah i don't know we'll see what happens that movie isn't supposed to come out for a while as far as i know uh but michael keaton's gonna be in it i do like michael keaton too i don't i want to make it clear i take no pleasure in shitting on michael keaton it's not my thing um well he's done nothing wrong 
he's done nothing wrong. He, they, I'm sure they came to him and were like, do you want a, a large, you know, dump truck of money to back into your house and just dump it on your living room floor? And he's like, yeah, sure. Um, well, I think he genuinely liked playing Batman too. I mean, I, I can't remember when, when it was, but I know he gave like a college commencement speech and he literally, he ended it by saying something along the lines of like the two most important words I've ever said in my life, I will share with you right now. And then said, oh, Batman. Batman and then walked away. Yeah. So I think he genuinely likes the character and I think he would do the character justice because he already has, but it it's so convoluted right now. It's just so convoluted. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading more about this as we're talking, I'm reading an article on the rap. Apparently, the title film's title was announced at Comic Con. Well, I don't know. It's, ironically, it doesn't say it here. I think it's just called The Flash. But apparently, it's loosely based on the 2011 DC Comics crossover event Flashpoint, in which Barry Allen travels back in time to prevent the death of his mother. So, that's why. That's what I'm hoping for. Interestingly, yeah, it says the result. Barry Allen inadvertently creates another universe protected by Michael Keaton's Batman, now 30 years older. So maybe that is what we're talking about here, is he's still Batman. It's, he went back in time, but it's the Michael Keaton Batman. So yeah, there's possibilities here about who else can get involved. But uh, long story short, this is starting production in quarter one, 2021. So it's quite a ways away. I'm sure this is not the last time we'll be talking about this. Uh, but congrats to Michael Keaton, <laughs> I guess. Uh, AKA Thomas Wayne, calling it now. Yeah, you're on record, my friend. Um, let's continue with, with uh, well, I guess this isn't a movie, it's a, it's a show, but uh, we should talk about Foundation. Uh, this trailer was released on Apple TV, for Apple TV Plus, I think yesterday, at the time of the recording of this. Guys, it looks so cool. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what else to say about it, other than that it's the thing that has, got, has me most interested in like getting Apple TV Plus. I don't think I will, but... It's a sci-fi story by Isaac Asimov, by the writer, by the co-writer of Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Um, and it looks like it has some some good people in it. Jared Harris, I'm a big fan of, uh, who, seems, who appears to be one of the leads. Uh, and it's supposedly the story that like inspired Star Wars. And it's been around for ages and ages. People have tried to make it a hundred times, but they haven't been able to. I don't know. What was your guys' take on this one? So I've actually been very impressed with Apple TV+. Plus. I think we've watched four shows on Apple TV Plus at this point, and they've all had super high production value. And the storytelling, I mean, in some of the shows, it was a little bit lacking, but I would say probably three out of four was pretty solid. So I'm very excited about this because I think they have the money behind this show to make it look good. I mean, obviously, the trailer it looked phenomenal. I mean, it looked like very otherworldly, very spacey sci-fi, which is exactly how I expected it to look. And it seems like they have a pretty great cast involved. I think, honestly, the platform that it's on might do the show a little bit of a disservice because I don't know how many people have Apple TV+. Plus. But this honestly looks like if it has a big enough reach, it could be something on the level of Game of Thrones. And I feel like there's been that void where there hasn't really been like a fantasy or sci-fi television show that has really been accessible to most normal people the way that Game of Thrones was. And by normal, I mean like people who aren't super nerdy and really into that kind of stuff. And I feel like this... I don't know. I, might Westworld be it. Yes, be my, that's true. West, Westworld is my, is my counter. Where I, I've never watched Westworld, so maybe that in itself should say that I'm wrong. But I know a lot of people that love Westworld, and I think it scratches a similar itch, at least in the sci-fi sense. I had actually forgotten about that. But I still think there's a little bit of a void... 
because I know a lot of people just straight up canceled HBO after Game of Thrones ended. So right. it'll be interesting. I really hope this takes off because it looks freaking awesome. Tactic, I don't know if you have any thoughts. It looked like a lot of stuff. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of really good cinematic value, but I have no idea what's going on. I didn't read the book and I couldn't really get a good feel of the plot line enough to really say if I'm excited for it or if I even know if I'm going to be able to follow it. So I'd like to see more before I really comment on it further. The production value looks super high. The gist I got, which could be totally wrong. I'm sure sure people are going to show up on our Twitter and be like, no, you idiot. But... Jared Harris knows psychohistory, which apparently is a way to tell the future. And he is going to get arrested because he can see the future and people don't like the future. So he tries to like impart his psychohistory wisdom on this, this female character who then has a number of adventures. That's, that's my broad strokes understanding of it. Could be totally wrong. But, um, I suppose this is a good time for us to shout out our, our Twitter folks, uh, Guys, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us how we're wrong, why we're wrong, when we're wrong. Basically, anytime we're wrong, just say something. Uh, I am at OWLeague86. We have at OWTechnic, at OWNerdBomber, and of course, our main account, at OnlineWarriors1. Uh, hit us up. We love to chat with you about all things, not just not just uh, foundation. Um, yeah, this again, I Apple TV Plus is a tough one for me. I, I don't see it happening, but if ever it were... I, I I probably would watch this. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head when this one comes out. I can Google it up. 2021 is, is all it says right now. Coming in 2021. So I guess we'll see past, past that point. We can now shift away into... Uh, oh, well, there's one more movie we should talk about, which is Over the Moon. And I don't want to hype it, but I know Tectic has a lot of thoughts about this one. Uh, very cute animated movie. Uh, coming to Netflix, I want to say later this year sometime, has a real Pixar, it's not Pixar, but it has a real Pixar vibe. Uh, basically, this girl, it's kind of the melancholy that Pixar, you know, uh, tends to tends to make hay with. This girl loses her mother. Uh, her mother used to tell her this story about um, this moon spirit, I guess. And the girl thinks that her mom is on the moon with the moon spirit. So she figures out how to go to the moon, essentially. Um very cute trailer. I'd, I'd advise everyone look it up. Uh, could be a feel good, if not kind of sad. Yeah, like I think it's going to be ultra depressing. Kind of it, for me, I thought it had a lot of dark undertones for, for adult audiences. And what I mean by that is the moon was an obvious metaphor for death or, or the afterlife. Like, and, heaven is what I was thinking. Yeah. And in the movie, it shows that the children visit this place and so, and throughout the whole time, the child is trying her best to get to the moon. So what I think happened, and and that's why I said it's incredibly dark, I think at some point along the way, the child was in this really dark place and ends up hurting oh. herself, like not okay. intentionally, but like gets hurt severely trying to get to the moon where she's in a coma. And so all of that, what you see of her on the moon, I think is her in a coma and then she's just dreaming and then eventually would wake too and... And say, hey, I, you know, I saw, I saw a mom and, and, you know, all these heartfelt moments. But, like, that's really dark and, like, really sad. It's not what Pixar would do. Like, like when, when I saw this, I was like, okay, so it's very similar to Coco. Where Coco deals a lot with the theme of death and, you know, going to the other side kind of thing. Like you said, the moon is kind of an obvious metaphor for the afterlife. 
uh, but I never once thought, well, the girl is in a coma or dead herself. And it says that's, that's next yeah. level stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, know. I, I mean, that's a, a decent theory. I just don't know if Netflix will go that hard. And I, I guess I don't really have a lot of experience with other Netflix animated movies. And I don't know how hard they lean into like making sure there's a feel good ending or being like Pixar where they do play with your emotions a little bit more. I do like, like I do agree that obviously it's going to address tonal things like death, but I don't know how dark and deep they'll go into it. I think they'll maybe try to take like a lighter tone eventually because it does seem like there's a lot of colorful, there's like a colorful montage, kind of like a highlight reel of stuff at the end of the trailer that you see. So I'm not sure how dark it'll go. But I think either way, it looks really good. And I'm super excited with the direction that Netflix animated movies seems to be going because I get a super Pixar feel from this entire trailer. And to me, that's a good thing because so far I have yet to be disappointed by a Pixar movie. Just and I like having diversity of studios out there to give me more of that. Just to be clear, I don't think it's going to be openly dark. I think it's going to be the the metaphors behind things that yeah. are very dark, personally. I We'll see. I, I so much color is like I was visually speaking. It's very there's a lot of vibrance going on. So uh, I'm I'm into it. Uh, this is another one that I have to Google when it's supposed to come out. I would assume the the lead time on this one is is much less um, simply because it, it's a Netflix thing. Apparently, there was a Netflix or there was a movie called Over the Moon that was made in 1939. That was the first thing that came up when I Googled. It just says expected 2020 post production on IMDb's page. So no update on that, but. Coming soon, I guess, is what we'll say for now. We're running a little bit short on time as we as we move further into the news, so we're going to cover the tech stuff in a in a much more rapid fire kind of way. First things first, and and this one I don't think requires a whole lot of fanfare. Guys, like a year ago, how long ago was it when we talked about Mixer? Microsoft tried to make a Twitch competitor, and they signed Ninja to a very large contract. And I don't know if at the time we leveled skepticism of like. Microsoft's not going to beat Twitch. There's no way. Well, they didn't. <laughs> it's shutting down effective June 22nd. Ninja's getting all of his money paid out to July him, along with 22nd. some other. July 22nd. Sorry, uh, Ninja's getting all of his money paid out to him, uh, which I, again I think the contract was pretty significant. I don't know exactly what the details were, but essentially all of the partners, uh, Ninja and Shroud, are the, are the two big ones who had huge deals. Yeah, I again, this is the first time I've even heard about Mixer since we talked about Mixer starting so so if i had to guess what went wrong it was the marketing <laughs> is i don't know you've you have thoughts one of the things that phil spencer said about this was that they started be like behind everyone else behind the competition when they created mixer and mixer has actually been around for quite a while now it was just last year that they signed um ninja to the exclusivity deal that kind of made waves but mixer actually started as a service called beam which then got bought by Microsoft and they changed the branding and they basically integrated it with the Xbox One ecosystem. So basically every time you turn on your Xbox One, there was like a, a now streaming tab or if you looked up a game, they would show now streaming and you would basically see people playing on Mixer. And so I think they thought that the integration with the Xbox ecosystem would help them. But unfortunately, I don't think enough people used it. And it's, I mean, it's kind of too bad because the technology behind Beam to begin with was pretty great. It was, they were, I think, one of the first ones to try to reduce that lag time between what the streamer saw and then what the audience saw on the website. Um, so it made things like Jackbox a lot easier to play and 
it was a little bit more interactive with the audience, but I think it was just poorly marketed, poorly mismanaged. And the the weird thing here is that they're actually partnering with Facebook Gaming and they're transitioning basically all of their Mixer partners and their streamers over to Facebook Gaming. And basically all of the Mixer websites and all of the apps will start redirecting to Facebook Gaming, which just seems like a little bit of an odd move. And I, I kind of feel bad. So like, obviously, Ninja and Shroud, they got their full payout and they can go wherever they want. And they basically made out like bandits because they made a bunch of money for one year. They of really did. Their contract. But like these small streamers who built up an audience of like thousands of people, how do you tell people and how do you get that audience to follow you to another website when it seems like the Mixer community is now going to scattershot across a bunch of different platforms? It's a great question. You mentioned Beam. I didn't know Beam existed until you said, like, it might be because I don't have an Xbox One. It sounds like you're saying a lot of the stuff is advertised through Microsoft's existing infrastructure, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know the answer to that. It's interesting you mentioned Facebook as, as you know, being the the place all this is getting funneled into because that's our other piece of tech news is uh they recently bought uh is it called ready to dawn uh ready at dawn studios uh this is the developer behind the popular lone echo series of vr games um one of oculus's most successful series so facebook of all companies really putting their shoulder into gaming which i have to be honest i don't i don't get I don't understand that so f- at all. Facebook owns Oculus. So to me, this move does make a little bit of sense because right now Oculus doesn't have a lot of exclusive developers. They don't really have a ton of first party games. I know Insomniac had been creating some Oculus exclusives prior to getting completely bought by Sony. And so this is almost like the opposite because I believe Ready at Dawn was owned by Sony at one point. And I know they made the order 1886 for Sony as well. That was a PS4 exclusive. Yep. But that kind of bombed. So Sony cut them loose and then they ended up doing all of their VR stuff. So it's kind of like a, a reverse insomniac here where um, Oculus now pretty much has the rights to all of their stuff moving forward. And I mean, I guess it does make sense to me because... If Oculus wants to be competitive in the VR space, they are going to have to have exclusive games because I don't know what drives people to buy one headset over another at this point. Like for me, PlayStation makes sense because I have a PSVR and I have a PlayStation and I don't have to invest $1,000 into a machine to run it. But for PC gamers, I don't know how you make that decision. And I think a lot like consoles, if you have exclusive titles, especially with... um, valve coming out with half-life i feel like they need to have something to compete with that i will say i love my psvr the oculus full especially i had a friend who had the oculus like full room setup it's it's unreal to step up and this was a few years ago uh, so, so but again like you said from a cost standpoint oculus is also ridiculous so uh, yeah I, i'm inclined to agree the choice of a vr headset seems i don't want to say arbitrary but it's just it's 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 hard to make as informed a decision about that as you would about which console to buy. Um, so I guess the jury's still out and I guess Facebook is making, making money moves. Uh, Tactic, anything to add to any of this before we move on? I mean, like uh, nerd bomber said, it, it makes sense for them to acquire them and to keep building up their Oculus base. But for me, until they lower the price to entry, it's still kind of a moot point. Right. For sure. So this is, again, no real date associated with this. They, they bought a company. 
Mixer, uh, Mixer is a date associated with it. July 22nd is when Mixer shuts down. So be advised, Mixer folks out there. Right now, we're going to move into uh, the penultimate segment of the show, uh, which is called What Are You Up To Wednesday, where we talk about what we've been up to. Uh, we'll keep it a little bit on the shorter side, because I think we're getting fairly close on our time. Uh, mine is short anyways. Uh, guys, The Last of Us uh, Part 2. I mean, no spoilers. I'm not going to be that guy. I don't even know how far into the game I am. But given that The Last of Us is one of my favorite games, maybe my favorite game of all time, the fact that I can't even say, you know, whether this is, it, it's close to as good is my point. I can't immediately discount it as being not as good. That alone is is a ringing endorsement for the game. If you're on the fence, if you're thinking they can't possibly repeat what they've done, think again and, and go get it as soon as you can. One of the better story experiences I've had, uh, you know, with the exception of last, The Last of Us. Huge, huge fan. Other, The only other thing I would mention is this ridiculous Netflix show that my girlfriend and I have started watching called The Floor is Lava. Have you guys heard of this? I've heard of it, haven't watched it. Uh, we've watched a few episodes. It's ridiculous. It's as ridiculous. It's, it's what exactly what it sounds like. It's a game show where the floor is lava. It's pretty funny. It's like, it's very low, uh, what's the word? Low impact. It's just, you put it on and it happens to you and you don't really care that much, but for what it is, it's, it's perfect. So check it out. Nerd Bomber, what do you have for us today? So in the past couple of weeks, we've actually started and finished two shows. One was Love Life and that was on HBO Max, which I discovered that I get for free through my cable provider. So... We watched that. Uh, that's the new show starring Anna Kendrick, and it basically walks through every episode is like a little portrait of one of the relationships in her life. And it works from the beginning basically to the end. The last episode is her final relationship. And initially, like it wasn't as rom com as I was kind of hoping it would be because the episodes were honestly a little kind of depressing. I mean, obviously, you you went into the show knowing that at the end of every episode, something would happen that would break that couple up that you had just invested like half an hour into watching. But a lot of the show felt super, super real. And I guess that's credit to some of the writing and it's credit to Anna Kendrick's acting. But it really, a lot of the the issues that they tackled throughout the show, it wasn't even necessarily like couple love. They they tackled her relationship with her mother. That was an entire episode. They tackled uh, her relationship with her best friend who is facing addiction and her struggle to try to get her friend to go to rehab. And that was a, an insanely real episode. And even just watching her develop and grow as a character and learn how to love herself and recognize her own flaws and what she wanted in her life and how she wanted to move forward and be an adult was very interesting. So I definitely, it wasn't my favorite watch of the year, but it was a very unique show and definitely would give it a try if you have access to HBO Max. I don't know if I would go out of my way to subscribe to it just to watch it, but if you have it, wouldn't be not worth your time. Uh, the other show that we watched was Space Force on Netflix. And We're almost done with that one ourselves. We took a break. I was a little Sorry. disappointed. I don't know how you felt. Like, it was fine. It's so meh. Yeah, it's like, it's it's it could be so much better. Like it's it, not offensive, exactly. but it's it's just, it kind of happens. It's, it's similar to the show I mentioned. It kind of happens to you and you're like, yeah, all right. And, that, and it just goes by you. And for what it's for, for the people it has, it should be way better. 
I don't know what you thought about it, but basically, Illegal, you're right on the money. For the comedic talent that they have in the show, it should be so much better than what it is. And there are some one-liners where you're like, ah, that's kind of funny. But at the end of the day, something just didn't hit home, and I don't really know what it was. I can't put my finger on it. It was just okay. Yeah, my, my favorite character is the head scientist. and Easily the best character. Yeah, is, is you'd, you'd think yeah. there'd be a, a lot more back and forth where you'd have like a cast that you're in love with but it's it's just kind of him standing alone on an island that i think is making the show good they have a cast but like very few he's by far the most likable everyone else you either feel nothing towards and he's not supposed to be likable that's the crazy part he's supposed Uh, to be this cynical guy (laughs) yeah he's supposed to be the foil for for Steve Carell's character, for sure. And he serves that purpose fairly well. But Steve Carell, I, I see what he was trying to do. It just, it I don't know. I guess he it didn't work mark. out. Yeah. Um, well, it's I one of those our, things. Our he tried to kind of channel the Michael Scott character in the military. but I don't, it, I don't know if he did. Well, he, he it's like a toned down version of Michael Scott where he's a little bit of a buffoon, but he has some good qualifications that make him a leader. And he made him a little bit more serious to fit the military type setting. But in my opinion, you don't get to be that high up. You don't get to head up an entire division of the military unless you're somewhat competent. Well, and he seemed like he I had think that's it. the joke. Well, yeah, that, right? but like it just it was the buffoonery was a little bit too in your face like i needed more subtle buffoonery and i think i don't when when it came to a head for me was when he was trying to talk a space monkey into fixing yeah a, a, a ship it was satellite. just a satellite it was just like ah, i can't really buy that any general even the stupidest one would think this is a good idea well and he's got this like army man voice thing going on which is also a little bit over the top and i i don't know i like the office is great for many reasons but one reason that i can think of is that they make this character michael scott who is an absolute unmitigated horse's ass for like every episode he is on right he makes a whole bunch of terrible decisions he rubs people the wrong way constantly does things that are very politically incorrect that probably wouldn't fly today all the time but somehow the show still finds a way to get you to empathize with him and to root for him and I haven't finished the show yet in Space Force, but not once have I been like, ah, I hope that things work out for this, you know, Mark Naird guy. I could care less. And that's like, that's the indictment uh, to me. Oh, you kind of came down hard on it. It's, it's, you know, it's not bad. It's just, it's, it's just okay. It's just okay. I guess it, it, it's the thing. Tactic, what do you, you got anything to add? Sure. Uh, in addition, we have started rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender. You've probably seen some tweets floating around with that. Um, <laughs> uh, it is in preparation for when inevitably the live action one comes out, the alleged good live action one. And so far, I am loving every second of rewatching it. I t- even took a quiz and found out that my personality jives with Aang. So watch out, world. That's huge. Uh, well, there you have it. So, so we're going to head now into the last segment of the show uh, where I give you guys a quiz. And in this case, the topic is the periodic table of elements, something that we all had nightmares about in middle school or high school. I don't know when I took chemistry. And uh, now it's back to haunt you yet again. So uh, I'm going to give you guys a few questions. I don't, I don't have a set number in mind. We'll just see where the, where the road takes us. Uh, I think they're all going to be prices Right style questions. 
and we'll take it from there. Uh, most of them are going to be about the structure of the periodic table of elements. So get hyped for that. Uh, first, and, and probably the question you expected me to, to ask, uh, Price is Right style, when did Mendeleev first publish the first recognizable periodic table? What year? I honestly remember, have no idea. I clearly remember, did not Remember, if you go too late, attention. you bust. Um, I feel like, was this in A- AD or BC? Um, I'm just gonna throw something out there. I'm gonna say 1200. I thought that AD. was actually yes. I thought that was actually a really good answer. Uh, I'm going to say 14. No, eh, 1400. Okay, <laughs> you guys are off to an absolutely brilliant start. Uh, guys, the Civil War was over before the periodic table was published. 1869 is. Are you uh, serious? I am stone cold serious. I thought there was like uh, an el- like a rudimentary <laughs> version of the periodic table, and then then they just like added on to yeah, it. Yeah, because later. people knew elements, like they knew what they were. So maybe well, it was just like a, a five row chart, but that's still a table. Well, either way, I get well, new elements, but take. they but they weren't they weren't in the chart. Yeah, Tide gets the point. Um, off to a roaring start. Next question, very similar. How many elements are currently in the periodic table? And tactic, you'll start on this one. Oh, you have to let me think then. I have to visualize it. Right. It's just, it's the kind of thing, that's the joy of this, is it's the kind of thing you should be able to think about and be like, oh, yes, okay. But no, it's, it's, it is not so. Can we put a timer on this? Come on there, T-Dog. What if I 75 call you elements. 75, Nerd Bomber, over to you. Oh, boy. I was going to say 70, but I don't want to be right on top of you like that. So I'm going to say 76. Gross. Giggity. Uh, <laughs> this one goes to Nerd Bomber. It's 118. Not 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 too far off. Um, I was getting rushed, but I didn't finish counting a bunch of columns. It's 118. Uh, well, you're gonna love one of my future questions. In fact, let's do that question right now. How many groups are there <laughs> in the periodic table? So now 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 you can think about it. there's there's 118 elements, right? So you should be able to work this out. How many groups are there? Are the groups the columns? It. Dude, I don't, uh, know. I don't remember my chemistry. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you whether the group is the column or the row because you should know that. Crud. Okay, I'm going to say, I think there's 12. I think they're the columns and I think there's 12. Maybe. Okay. Uh, tactic, over to you. I think she busted. I, th- I believe there's eight. <laughs> okay. It is columns. And Nerd Bomber did not bust. She was, in fact, quite low. It's 18. <laughs> So far, this is just, you guys are learning a lot about wh- how much you don't know about the periodic table. So Nerd Bomber's up to two points. Wasn't it, is it one. metals, non-metals, noble gases, gases? Those are like groups or something. So or what are families. We talking about? I don't, literally the, the columns. The, group, the groups are the columns. I'll let you, I'll, I'll let that sink in while I ask the next question. Which um, I don't understand why they did that. Like, just call them columns, man. They don't need to be called groups. Well, I think the I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but I think the columns share certain properties that make them columns. I they do. It. Of the 118 elements on the table, how many are naturally occurring? As in, they were not created in a lab. Tactic, you start on this one. 75. Okay, and Nerbauer. I want to say it's 25. I feel like wasn't it like the first few columns or groups or whatever? Okay. It's 94. <laughs> um, okay, I was clearly wrong. Uh, 
almost every element you yeah, see. Yeah, it's just on the, the bottom bottom it's, row that is created in the lab. That's essentially correct. The bottom row and I think the two that are split out from the main body of the table are the ones that are. There's not some left-handed. significance so, to like the the leftmost columns, and I don't remember what it is, but there was a significance. Noble gases. Was that what it was? It's the the rightmost column is the noble gases. The leftmost column, I don't know off the top of my head. Was that um, the most metally metals? I think that yeah, might be something like that. It's like it's might be alkali metals. Bottom or, left is your whatever. francium. Um, that's Good correct. Stuff. Good job. So we're gonna it's it's tied two to two. I think we've 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 reached ahead here in terms of how little you guys know about the periodic table. So I'm gonna ask one more winner take all question, and we're actually gonna depart the actual structure of the table because clearly we, we've run the gambit on that. That's what we don't know and, a lot about is we can't instead, visualize it. Um, I'm going to tell you that the, uh, well, let's, let's, you know what, let's do a two point question. How about that? Make it interesting. What is the heaviest element on the periodic table and what is its atomic weight? Take a moment. Who, who's, who's, is it Think me? it over. Uh, I believe it's Nurbomber first because this, this is the fifth question. Well, golly. I will gee. say it's, it's, it's easy for me to say this while reading it, but I, you're going to know when I say it, it's going to jog your memory. Both of these, both of the answers you know, have an echo in my brain of like, I, at one point I knew this very deeply. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark for which is the heaviest. And I, I'm just going to say lead because I don't have a better answer. And what was the second part of the question? What's the atomic weight? <laughs> which at this point is Frick. a crap shoot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pick a number that sounds good. Let's go with, that's, that's too much. Um, hmm. Okay. Let's go with 50. Okay, tactic. The heaviest is 138, and I think it is francium. Okay, so francium, I believe, is actually the one that has the smallest atomic radius, and that's why it's in the that bottom corner. And I think what you're thinking of, the answer is uranium is the heaviest. Uranium. And it has atom- that, that's true. <laughs> the atomic weight is 238, so tactic takes it home by a nose. I remembered the 38. That's what was in my See, head. See, I remember there being a like a U two thirty two. That's an element. I'm pretty sure, right? There's like a derivative of uranium or something that only weighs two thirty two. But I think you, I think by derivative, you might mean isotope. Sure. Kids, learn, learn your periodic table. That's the takeaway here, dude. I have in not used ever, chemistry in years. I used in it. case you ever asked about it on a podcast, uh, you'll look better than we do if you just if you just take the time and sit down and learn it. But Tectic takes this one home. Congrats to him. He will host the quiz next week. Nerd Bomber, thanks for playing. And that's the end of our episode. So uh, we thank you for showing up, for listening to us rabble, rabble, ramble about the news. If you liked our rambling, you can, of course, hit us up on Twitter, as we've already said. You can also hit us up on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. So with that in mind, we shall leave you to your devices until next week. Thanks for stopping by. See you next week.